Welcome, listeners, to our little playthrough of Carrion Crow. Carrion Crow is a adventure path published by Paizo Entertainment. We are using the adventure and the setting. However, we are using 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons rules. I will be your game master for this horrific dip into fantasy. My name is Andrew Seipel. And I'll be playing every character that isn't introducing themselves on here. Let's start off with uh, Adam first. Hello, my name is Adam. I will be playing Abel Longtoe, nicknamed Yo-Yo, and he is a halfling priest, and he worships Parasma, the goddess of, well, death, and uh, lots of other things. And uh, he, he's proof positive that weirdness can come in small packages. Very good. Next, we'll move to my good friend, DG. Hi, I'm DG, and I'm playing for once rather than running the show, and I will be playing Gaius Ravain, the High Elf Wizard. He's a cloistered scholar who comes from a rather influential but very insular and sort of xenophobic elven family who have exiled him, for want of a better word, out into the world because he has developed a rather unusual interest in dead things. The process of death, how it works, and to what end. And rather than broadening his horizons and learning that this was just a childish fascination that he would soon grow out of, he ended up in a nation where fascination in dead things is cutting-edge scientific research and became a scholar of all things dead. And it was there at the university that he met Yo-Yo. From there, an unlikely friendship bloomed. But we'll find out more about that later. Eliza, please introduce yourself and your character. Oh. I am Eliza, and I'm playing Gilded Lily, a mannequin barbarian. Standing at nearly seven feet tall, uh, Gild is a tall doll-like figure with marble-like skin laced with veins of gold. Their face is an unmoving mask, staring impassively at all times. Uh, thank you, Eliza. I should mention at this juncture that we're also using a little bit of third-party content sprinkled throughout here. In particular, Steinhardt's Guide to the Eldritch Hunt has some delightfully creepy things to be through in. And then we have Cat. Uh, hello, I'm Ember, and I'm playing Violetta, uh, who's a half-elf rogue, 
from a criminal background. A refugee from an unpleasant land, but we'll get more into that later. And we'll have two others joining us a little later here. But for now, we're going to focus on, on a wagon rolling in a convoy along the old post road. Sunk deep into the moors of Canterwall County. Ustalav, the land has seen a lot of trouble, a lot of strife, a lot of, frankly, evil. But for the most part, but there are parts of it that are resting now, parts that the evil has passed over and left fallow. And I'm going to quote now from the uh, Rule of Fear setting book of the County of Counterwall. A single vast moor surrounds Lake Lias, stretching to the boggy Isher Wood to the east. Here, wariness and ruggedness breed a sturdy lot. A county of quietly determined folk all too aware that fortunes and blood and back-breaking toil often buy rewards no greater than continued hardship and a swift death. The land of Canterwall, once known as Tamrivene, has no love for its people. Even though generations of stalwart Eustolavs have poured their lives into the land only fall before the wicked blades of Evelks and Orcs are be mysteriously consumed, seemingly by the misty moors themselves. And it is misty. Especially now, this first night of October. The wagons rattle and clatter. The nags that the caravan loaned you, really rented you, for a small fee of goods and services, doing their damnedest to pull your highly decorated vehicle along the corduroy road. You've got... Uh, Ten feet of clearance ahead, ten feet of clearance behind, and to either side, mists that eddy and sway like living things, like the land itself is breathing, both hot and cold. There, at the beginning of the fall, the edge of summer. Well, why don't we take a look at this wagon? What's it look like there, Abel? Describe it, if you could. Or I could take a whack at it, whichever you prefer. The carriage is quite large and very solidly built. And at various times, various craftsmen have been paid money to tweak this or tweak that or add this feature or add that. I mean, most, most carriages do not have elk head, um, masthead at the rear of the wagon. Most carriages don't have um, little towers jutting on one side, much less weather vanes. At various locations, you can see huge brewing vats. You can see fold-out cast-iron ovens and uh, bread ovens. You can see garlic and onions and potatoes hanging from string bags just nailed all over the place. 
various areas there just tucked away trestle tables that can be pulled out and set up with basically trestle benches. This is a rolling inn slash hospital slash temple. It, um, it's Yo-Yo's home and it has been for many years and it's actually multiple levels when you're only two foot tall. Ah, Yo-Yo. Yes, let's take a minute to look at the me- look at the little man driving the wagon. What's he look like? Well, he is what happens when you have a halfling with a uh, hormonal imbalance, otherwise known as dwarfism. He is barely two foot tall. As a child, he was. Unfortunate, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time when a disease known as the Reaper's Pox swept through the plains. And he was one of the young, and he was unfortunate in that he caught about 10 years of age. And for the better part of a year, he was living in the local temple because he would need... CPR and life-saving intervention at least fortnightly and he was for many 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 years sickly one of the things that's awful about the pox is that if you somehow survive if the medical care you have access to is so good that you can pull through you are indelibly marked your skin becomes dry and wrinkled and leathery almost corpse-like and it is known across the land as the Mark. And such as it is with Yo-Yo, his nickname is Yo-Yo, because he was brought back from the dead so many times. And now this little tiny fellow walks around his skin. He looks like something out of a very unsettling dream. He has the countenance practically of a zombie or of somebody undead. And added to this, he wears the holy trappings, and he is a priest of the goddess Parasma. And that markings a priesthood is all that has saved you from the irate hands of a few twitchy villagers more than once. Speaking of twitchy villagers, there's a uh, man coming down the line. Checking number two. Checking. All right. I'm here. All right, noted. Checking number three. Checking. I'm here. All right. He gets to your wagon. Checking number four. Checking. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm here. All right. Uh, Is is there anything that you need to... Are you hungry? Can I make you a sandwich? kind of walks around to look at you, and he has to because you're so small that I imagine you've got, like, this... One of the things you bargained with is this apparatus so you can drive the the oxen without having to exert yourself or stretch too far. Like this little mechanical bunch of levers and switches and pulleys. And he's like, Ugh! Nah, maybe later. I mean, that stuff we had in the last stop Mountaineer gave me the shits. Ah, as long as you got some meat fry this time. <sighs> he says, okay. 
Wait, there's two on bo your board, right? That tall bloke there, too? At this point, Gaius takes his opportunity to lean out of the little hatch behind the driver as he's being addressed, and he stops just before the sunlight reveals the blood that's caked into his clothes because he's been doing a little bit of experimentation on a dead thing inside the carriage. He stops and pats his hand over his chest, prestigitating all of the stains away, and then pokes his head out and says, Accounted for, sir! Mm. Alright, good. And he gives you a nod, heads on down the line, and hears voice fading to the distance. Checking number five. Checking. Gaius. Still here. Gaius, are you doing your experiments near my kitchen and my butchery block again? You know oh, no, what I no. about that. I put at least a foot's distance between your cooking pot and uh, where I've laid out my experiments. What, I do not want to repeat what happened in Oakland. Yes, that I... Be any repeater, any such repeats, I assure you. But you must understand how remarkable it is. See, I've taken apart the uh, the unfortunate zombie we found, uh, you know, uh, several miles ago, and I found that once the enchantment is dispelled, the the decomposition continues at double the rate. You uh, you see, it ruined fifty pounds of sausage links is what I'm trying to say. Yes, well, like I said, I put a good foot's distance between my corner of the wagon where I've laid out all of my instruments and your cooking pot and your storage baskets. I, I, I thought we were going to be using this place as a mobile laboratory, not a kitchen, but I'm doing my best to work under these circumstances. When we get to the next town and we can hire some craftsmen, we can... We can tweak things a little bit, you know? We can put some shelving. I never anticipated lab work, um, but we can make accommodation. Bah, you, you just make sure that they let us through to wherever we need to go. I must get back inside. I really need to finish my observations on that liver before it liquefies. I would like to apologize, by the way. I thought that the formaldehyde was vinegar. Remind oh. me to buy you some more formaldehyde. That this would explain could, in fact, be the reason why... that the Burgermeister had the shits earlier today. You know, note to yourself. Probably best not to mention it to him. And this would explain why the liver is indeed liquefying when it should have been preserved. The sound of the good friends bickering over their familiar territorial dispute echoes through the mists as the, as the caravan master. Heads back, doing his work, checking on each wagon to make sure the inhabitants are indeed still among the living. But this is Ustalav, even if it's a sleepy part of it and you never take anything for granted, especially not mortality. And let's move now to a different part of the mists, to where a lone figure sits in a coach. A hired stage rattling and clattering along the shores of a long lake. That's Lake. That's Lake Lias to the north there. 
And you see it every now and then as the mists clear. It'd be beautiful if it just wasn't so gloomy. The dark, scattered trees clutching toward the coach as you ride past branches scraping. The coachman coughing softly into his hood. And the letter. In, Vi in Violetta's hand. Violetta. Does she look like? Um. I imagine, like. I mean, she's uh, taller than uh, than your your uh, average average person uh, for sure. That'd be the sort of the the half elf there. Um, but overall, fairly unobtrusive. Um, you know, she's learned how to, to to blend in as as best as possible. So not calling too much attention to herself. Careful, cultivated look of somebody who prefers to be alone in a crowd. Well, she's far from crowds now. Far outside of her, far outside of her comfort zone. This is the boonies, this is the wilds, this is the empty lands. Every now and then you'll pass the remnants of a stone structure, probably one of the old border forts that they had in here. Aside from that, it's just tiny little villages, fields of waving grain, and the moors, the unending stock dripping moors that spread out in all directions with birds that startle as the coach draws by and flock to the sky and like living clouds of ink you wouldn't be here if you didn't owe a debt and your gaze returns as it has often not much else to do on this hours long trip to the letter that reached you a few days back. Dear Violetta, if you are reading this, then I must inform you that I am among the deceased. I have taken measures for my eventual demise, and you are one of many that I have invited to my hometown of Ravengrove. For, well, my funeral. I plan for there to be a reading of the will. I expect there should be some estate left by the time you reach the, read this. Please seek out my, please seek out my residence. If things have gone horribly amiss, and for whatever reason, my residence is no longer there. Please inquire after my daughter, Kendra. She will know what to do. I remember when I first met you. In that caper in Rasmaran. Escape with, from those devils with the masks. Now we smuggled you out in a pickle barrel. I still feel bad about that. I didn't know the, the Brian Traces were so strong. 
I trust the, the scars have long since faded. At any rate, you've been a glorious help ever since. And you've come, and you've grown into a person that I have been honored to call friend. However, it happened. Know that my death was not my fault, not your fault, nor was there a thing you could do about it. This is the nature of this land. I bid you safe journey, and I hope you can arrive in time. Yours truly, Petros Lorimar. And from there, we move on to a sol to two figures trudging their way through a swampy patch of land. The coach didn't the coach wouldn't let the pair of you on. He took one left one look and took left there as fast as the Zorsicus could take him. So for this last leg of the journey you've been hiking it. You and your companion who's been oddly silent. But now as the last rays of the sun face, fade on the horizon, they shine upon the carapace of Gilded Lily. And what does she look like? Gilded Lily, um, actually using they-them pronouns. Uh, again, um, as mentioned before, it is a very tall, doll-like figure with marble-like, marble-looking skin and veins of gold sort of running throughout it, like Kintsugi. They're yes. wearing just a vest, uh, a dark vest with golden trim around the edges, uh, and is perfectly comfortable walking in silence. Your companion seems seems fairly comfortable with it as well. It's been oddly quiet ever since you got the letter. You are to go to the town of Ravengo and assist with the funeral. Later on, there will be a reading of a will. And one of the few friends, the first one you've made this blasted land. Well, this will be your chance to say goodbye to him. How, how, how does it, how does uh, Lily feel? How does Gilded Lily feel about that? You've had a little, she's had a little time to think during the trip down. This is probably the first they're, time somebody. They're sure how to feel, like life itself is kind of just a bit confusing to guild um, not really knowing, understanding like understanding there is some difference a, some apparent difference between most of the mortal races and whatever they are so yeah, very unsure exactly how to react to this and whether or not 
this is something that they should fear as well. A matter of mortal perspective and philosophical question that many have pondered before. But the time to come to any conclusions is later. For in the distance, in the light of the sun shining to the west, you see two things. One is a sleepy little hamlet. The fields and the fields and buildings corresponding with pretty much just about any other small town, many other small little settlements that you've passed through countless times in Canterwall. Maybe a couple hundred people. The fact that it's got to stop along the post road, that means that there's something to it. But this, but the second thing you see is up to the west of it, on a bit of a rise in the moors, up out among a thatch of trees, is a stone structure, big, two stories tall, bulky, crumbling. Windows dark empty and looming. It hangs above the town, like a gargoyle staring down, looking for prey. And as all of you converge on the southern end of town, the wind blows softly through the moors, and the mists sweep above hiding that predatory infrastructure from sight once more. Yep! Calls the caravan master. And, uh... Abel and Gaius. Irregan slows, moves into the circle with the rest, directly south of town. Alright! Says the says the Vardomeister, coming back around with his little tally tab, jingling coins. You lot are departing. The, you lot are departing here, right? This your stop. Is this um 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 uh, Raymond, um um um? He stammers out the name of the hamlet. Ravengrow. Yep. Well, this will be it. We'll be taking uh, Nag 1 and Nag 2 back now. Unless you have a spare 60 gold you wanted to drop. Um. Take them off our hands. How do I put this? Um. Abel is standing at the front of the carriage on the roof. And he goes, oh, uh, well, hang on a moment. And you see him just point his walking stick vaguely in the direction and all the buckles and straps come undone and fall to the ground as the um, horses are freed 
as far out and, they'd be they'd be oxen but yeah you free oh, them oh I beg your pardon and, and he calls oh. that uh, 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 your your little doohickey with the levers and the cables everybody bought it it worked it got us here thank you Oh, lovely, and... lovely. Gaius clamps its skeletal hand on Yo-Yo's shoulder as he watches the the oxen run free, and then he shakes his head and he says, "Well, the uh, I would say the trial was a success. Yes, now now to test it with a less uh, mortal beast of burden." Eh. Most oxen would run free. These just kind of sit there and graze around a bit. They're old. They're tired. <laughs> Yeah, and um, um, Abel is going to send a mental command to the the oxen. Um, they may not speak his language or anything, but he's still going to do it. And he's going to nice move cow, nice move cow, and that's how he's been making them get up and move. He's just been using the 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 mind speak. Whether they understood him or not, he has no idea. He's, he imagines they've just been following the forward wagon, that's all. They do. Every time he means mind speak to one, it starts looking around. Eventually forgets about and just keeps moving forward. It seems to work. Gaius just sort of glares at them in disdainfully as they, as tired, they just kneel down and start grazing, shakes his head. Oh, see, there's a limit to how much walking they'll do in a day, and you have to pay for them. Why do people even bother? Look, you're gonna have to get over this. Some things like being alive and vital. As you, as you bicker, the uh, a man, pretty much wearing a uh, courier's badge, comes up, straining under the weight of a chest. That is thumping back and forth. God damn it! Can I get a little help here? You seem to be struggling under the weight of that chest there. It just started moving. Moving. I need to deliver the. Yeah, I need to deliver this to. Uh, Lorimore residence. I think. Gaius's eyes light up. He turns towards Yo-Yo. He says, "You hear that, Lorimore? Well, we should take this off this man's hands and do him a favor." You know we? where it is. Great. And before you can say anything more, he thrusts it in your general direction. Oh, uh, I'd like the both of you to make me dexterity checks, please. Yeah. <laughs> so that will be a nineteen for Gaius. That's one. Uh, an eleven for 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 for, for Yelio. He's still trying to wrap his brain Ooh. around the concept that this guy is looking at the emaciated, wasted, two-foot-tall figure and says, "Would you help me with this chest?" Yeah, and indeed, when he thrusts the chest at your at your comrade, he catches his end, and the other end comes down. Yo-Yo dances back nearly, gets crushed, and is there as it falls. As says they had falls to the ground, the trunk lid thunks off, a flurry of plush toys explodes out, and in the middle of it is a small figure. Tazzy, would you please introduce yourself and you name your character? I think you're um, muted. Am I? Oh, no, we can hear her. Oh, okay. 
sent me my microphone for so I'm sorry. Um, she is looks about eight years old, golden curls. Her dress has, looks like a craft factory exploded all over it, rhinestones uh, sequined everywhere you can think of. Uh, she, her hair is uh, long coat, like I said, pulled half up with a big sparkly bow. Um, she has a stick attached to her belt, like a sword, and a pot lid attached to the other side of her belt, like a shirt, like a shield. Also, I think you're on push to talk. <laughs> okay. She is, uh, if you're viewers, there it is, it's literally her right there. Um, <laughs> she, uh, has red eyes, so it looks up and, oh! Hi everybody! My <clears throat> my name is Amelia Levier, and she cries. Pleasure to meet you. You may call me Amy. Uh, well, it looks like you've taken a tumble all over the floor. Uh, our sincere apologies. And Gaius will just point his finger at her and prestigitate all the dust and dirt from her quick tumble out of the chest off her. You're worried about her getting dirty? That's what you're worried? Oh, dear. Well, we're, we're, uh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, headed to a funeral, yeah. my good friend. It can't very well turn up covered in grime and muck and whatever you this thing here is on my out whether they have been hurt, you insensitive bully. Are you all right? Oh, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. Mommy plays harder than that. But who's dead? Oh, uh, forgive me, you're not, a, you're not uh, coming to pay your respects to Lorimore? Oh, the professor! Yeah, Daddy knows him, so I decided to uh, come visit him for a while because Mommy and Daddy were arguing again. And, and Daddy talked about him and said that uh, uh, just in case I should go to the professor. Actually, he didn't tell me that. He just sort of put it in a note, and I found the note behind uh, this locked door that was really fun to play with. Yes, well, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, well, he's shuffled off the mortal coil, you see. And we're on our way to his funeral as we speak. Oh, when is he going to wake up later? The, when, since when have you hated being the bearer of bad news? You practically... Of course, of course you, I hate being the bearer of bad news. You know, this is Lorimore we're talking about. This isn't a woodland animal or a cow or a cat. This is this is the man who sponsored, sponsored us through university. I am a priest and the goddess of death, and I don't have many as many sets of clothes for funerals as you do. Is he going to wake up soon? Because Daddy always, Daddy always goes into a box in the morning and he wakes up in the afternoon. We don't you know, know that yet to be determined. Oh, okay. Hold on. Your, your dad goes to sleep in a box and we, we, you're clearly using sleep as a euphemism for death either because you're trying to uh, uh, sugarcoat it or because, you know, your little child brain doesn't understand the concept of death. But, mm, this is intriguing. Uh, what did you say your father's connection to Lorimore was again? Oh, uh, Daddy knows him. Yeah, um, he... I think they I think they knew the same guy, someone named uh, Den. I don't remember. I, like, Daddy always talks about his pal, Den, so... Look, we'll get you the rest of the way. We'll, we'll look after you. Consider it, uh... 
Well, any friend of Laura Moore's is a friend of ours, so please, uh, climb aboard. I'll show you a place you can sit inside. Just, uh, careful not to knock over any of the instruments I have on display. They're very, very delicate, and uh, stay away from, uh, Yo-Yo's sausages. He's particularly partial to any form of contamination uh, rubbing up against those, and... As Gaius sort of leads her towards the carriage, he makes a mental note. Possibly undead. Inquire further later. Oh, don't um, worry. I got it. I got my sword and I got my shield, so I'm I'm good. Little 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 person. I'm assuming you would like a stack of waffles. No, I've got candy, and she pulls up another pouch, and, and there's like some lollipops and and, and some. Other uh, sugar sticks sticking out of the top of it. I got candy, I'm good. But thank you! Oh, ah. Gaius pokes his head out of the carriage. I, I'll have one of those, if you don't mind. Oh, sure! I, I like I like sharing with new friends. Uh, do you want cherry, grape? R no, red one's mine. Um, give me that, uh, Give me that purple one there. Okay, grape it is. And, and she holds out a uh, grape sucker to you. Gaius takes it, and he doesn't put it in his mouth, he just sort of studies it for a moment, his eyes narrowing. He nods, uh, thank you, I shall, uh, I shall savour it, and then he slides it into his wizard's robes, muttering under his breath, mm, candy uh, for uh, undead uh, children, uh, uh, definitely something to learn how to synthesise. On the north of town. The po The coach clatters to a stop. Right. This'll be Raven Grow. Calls the coachman back to Cat. Back to uh Violetta. Wouldn't say you're long if I were you, you little clannish. Hear the sounds of a uh, hip flask being unscrewed and the slurping of something probably alcoholic going down her throat. <laughs> Uh, she's just gonna nod and step off. <laughs> Say thank you. No problem. How talkative have you been with the coachman on the trip? Not very. I think they probably exchanged pleasantries and it was just kind of awkward silence from that point onward. <laughs> That's fair enough. Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple of chance words here and there. Yeah, give, eh, give me a persuasion check. Let's see how you came off. Okay. Check. So, okay. So, I'll roll... So, d20 for d20. that. Yep. And that's for charisma. Or, yep. yeah. Are you trained in persuasion? Uh, it is not. No, I'm not. All right. See how charismatic you came off then. D twenty and add your charisma modifier. Uh, uh, thirteen. Thirteen, lucky number, and about what you needed. Coachman lean, leans in as you grab your stuff from the buckboard and prepare to depart. He says, "For were you." Listen, you got the look of somebody travels a lot, gets into things they maybe shouldn't. If I were you, I'd be careful. That that old rune on the hill, that's Harrowstone, that is. Used to be a prison. 
now it's just empty. And it's eaten a whole lot of treasure seekers trying to make their fortune here. So whatever business you got in here, I hope it's not to do with that. It takes another pull. Be seeing ya. See ya. And he snap, he snaps the whip and clatters south. And as you're standing there contemplating life, you hear shh, look, shh, thump, shh, and see two muddy figures pulling themselves out of the marsh, coming your way. One from the one from the legs up seems to be a metallic figure with golden cracks throughout. And the other seems to be a somewhat shapeless form wearing a long greatcoat and a hat pulled low over their face. And uh, Eliza, you've, this, is, this has got to be the place. And there's a lost looking figure standing by the road that leads into town. She looks Can pretty I out see of place. where the building is from here? Uh, the nearest building looks like a farmhouse of some sort. I should know my way through here to the residence. That's right. That's right. And as you look, glance at each other and start heading to, heading in over that way, over down to the Lorimore residence that's on the south side of town. You realize that, yeah, you're heading to the same place. And to the new figure. Um, heading to the funeral as well, are we? That's right. How did you meet the professor? Got me out of a rough situation quite some time ago. What about you? Same, really. We met a number of years ago. People in a nearby village were afraid of me. He stepped in. Gave me some work. It'll be different now. I don't really know what I'm going to do. different, will it? As you pass through town, as the night starts to descend and wrap itself over the moors, you see people closing up shop and getting ready, sliding long wooden shutters closed, but stopping as you come in and feel the weight of eyes watching you carefully as you pass. Studied neutrality on their faces. These are folks who've seen a lot. Hard lines of these farmers, tradesmen. Squinting. Marking you as possible trouble. You pass through the familiar stone square. And along the way, there are one or two faces that you recognize. There's the half-lifted hand. There's an occasional nod. 
but uh, there's a feeling of tension here that you didn't notice before in this sleepy little town. And as you pass through the stone square and the perpetually dry fountain, the ancient dog that usually rests in it thumps his tail a few times, hauls himself out, and starts to follow you. Then it barks excitedly, limps forward a bit, and tugs at the trench coat of the figure be at the figure next to the large mannequin, pulling it free to reveal a strange thing indeed. Paradox, welcome. Are you with us? Aloha. Please introduce yourself and describe your character as the dog pulls away your concealing greatcoat. Uh, you see... A vaguely average human-sized, a well, can only described as a slot, uh, an ooze. There's a sort of aqua green coloration with a one single sort of silvery gray like sphere in what uh, what passes for its head and face. Mm -hmm. uh, I wearing... have to ask. Go yeah. on, sorry. Uh, it's just wearing some, yeah, rather shoddily maintained uh, armor and clothing. Alright. What color? The clothing. You. Oh, uh, like a... It's a sort of aqua green color. Sweet. I have to ask, top hat or bowler? Uh, probably top. Alright. That was the professor's recommendation. A lot of a lot of people, if they see a, a naked ooze thing, they'll attack it. But an ooze thing wearing a top hat? Okay, they're going to at least stop and ask questions of themselves, <laughs> and probably of the world in general. That may buy you some time. The dog pulls the trench coat free and pokes his nose into your substance, snuffling around, looking for the treats you've sometimes hidden for it. Are there any treats for it today? It, it pats itself down and doesn't seem to be able to find any. The ancient dog. The down stray kind of pulls its head back and whines and gives you a look as if it, it understands and it doesn't blame you for this situation. Obviously, it's a bad state of affairs and you've got more important things on your mind. And you shouldn't feel guilty at all. <laughs> is what the dog conveys in those soulful eyes. And then when this fails to produce any treats, it kind of shuffles back to the fountain and has a lie down. And as you head down to the Lorimore residence, you hear, t you hear three rather lively conversing voices coming to the same place from the opposite direction. I'm sounding quite childish. All of you come to an old farmhouse on the southern part of town that 
Looks to have been pretty well fortified. The entryway has a uh, heavy oaken door and an overlooking uh, balcony with murder holes on it. The windows have bars on them. You know from experience the chimney is capped with a grate that's far too thin for even a sprite to get through. <sighs> and there's a uh, fairly rotund man with a face that's naturally built to smile and a mustache that could easily sweep the dust from a mausoleum. Putting bags and boxes down on the stoop. He kind of strains as he, he sees you approaching. Oh, hello, he says to the six of you. You'll be here for the funeral then. You'll be friends with the with Petros. Professor well, actually, my daddy was... well, don't all talk at once. <laughs> actually, my daddy was friends with him, and I came along, and I was going to be uh, stay with him while Mommy and Daddy fought and everything, but apparently he's dead now, so I don't know. Oh, oh, that's terrible. Okay, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure pay... Kendra can help sort it out. Yes? We've come to pay it. our respects, yes. Okay. Says Gaius, nodding his head. I would seen, I would want nothing more than to pay my respects to the man who put me through university. You know, I may not look at one such young as me, you know, only 106 years of age. And he put me all through university at such a young age. Okay. And I would not Goodness. be the man I am today if not for his patronage. I'm sure it is not the professor's fault that you are like you are. You're being much too harsh on him. Butterflies! Boom! Friends, that is a good story, but it's one best told over Peru. And once once we deal with business, you can come to the inn and tell, tell me all about it, for I am Zokar Elkavit. And I am both the bartender and the proprietor and the brewmaster. And, uh, oh! Lily! And, uh... Violetta, and, and... He snaps his fingers, looking at, uh... The Uzi fellow. Oh, what was your name again, friend? Bank. Bank! Bank, welcome back home. Well, such that it is. That's... Ah, uh, well. His, his smile kind of sags a bit as his mustache droops. It is good well, to see you again. Yes. Likewise. Okay. Gaius leans in to Yo-Yo and he just whispers, I didn't know the professor had so many friends that uh, stretch the uh, definition of mortal, if you know what I mean. Amy's well, chasing a butterfly she found. There's a lot of moths here and they all have pretty skulls on their back. Is Oh, well, okay. I just was going to go over to the church after I finished up the groceries. Funeral's going to start when uh, everyone in the wheel was there, so um, maybe that's you. If not, we'll be waiting. Shall we go over and check? I can lead the way. Please, please, uh, lead on. I'm sure the professor would not want to keep everyone waiting. He was a very punctual man in life. 
She's, okay. She stops before the, the doll-like person. Wow, you're pretty. I like the gold. Did somebody make that for you? Or or did you make it yourself? Because that's really interesting. Can I look closer? I came like this. You are very small. Wow, you're really big. Sort of like Nanny is, but I'm not so good with faces, so her face is kind of blank. Your face is really, really pretty. Can I look at it real closely later? Because, like I said, I'm trying to get better at faces. I kneel down and put my face right in front of her face. She is right there, like millimeters away from your face, just looking at everything. This close, you can see her eyes are red, and her canines are a little bit sharper than what you would expect a normal person's canines to be. But she is like right there and just staring as only a child totally enthralled with something can. You notice that Guild's face does not move. Even when speaking, just completely still dull face. Definitely vampire, oh. says Gaius under his breath to Yo-Yo. The only thing that I can't wrap my head around is if her father's a vampire and by definition undead, how has he managed to reproduce and... Ah. The, other que the other question to that. Might be why are the last rays of the setting sun not setting that pretty little dress of flame? But that is perhaps a question for later. And you follow the and you follow Zolkar up up the road to the west, past a uh, couple more farmhouses and a standing statue to some dignitary or the other, over the river bank, over the stone large stone bridge. There's a lot of stone houses here, actually. The bridge is a better construction than you've seen in a lot of the peasant villages around here. Something about Ravengrow. Eh. Uh, something, to, something to think about later, perhaps. For now, you've got somber business ahead. And yeah. As you go, the, the mists fade a bit, and you know what's coming as a cold rain starts to fall. And before, but fortunately, before it can truly soak you to the bone, you've come to the Church of Erasma. This is, from the little you've seen of the town, it's easily the most elaborate building. The eastern facade displays an intricate stained glass mural depicting Phrasma judging somebody impor important looking. Look alive, yo yo, chap. It's the big house. And the door and the door is the twin brass doors to it. Have the mark of the spiral cutting across both of it. Inlaid in tarnished copper. They creak as you enter. And you're looking into a fairly simple setup, a whole bunch of pews heading up to the front altar, and uh, among them, several people standing and chatting. You see a uh, rather attractive young, rather attractive woman in her 30s talking to an older man who's 
definitely eats well wearing a monocle and a respectable suit. His hair slicked back. They kind of stop and stare at you as you come in. Beyond them, a uh, half-elven woman who... I know a woman with obviously elven blood in her. With her blonde hair bedecked with crystals and her neck loaded down with enough charms that you worry about back pain in her later years. Kind of looks up from where she's sitting and uh, rubs her chin with stained fingers. Kind of stopping when she sees Lily and uh, Bank. Just looking at them with object curiosity. And up at the altar, a figure with drawn skin, bald head, two great puffs of white hair on either side of his face, and eyebrows that look like uh, dire caterpillars are having a war. Kind of surveys a lot of you. His hand goes to the pharasmin symbol around his neck. And he rubs it a bit. One of yours, good pal, says Gaius, slapping Yo-Yo on the shoulder. Must be in good company, then. Hmm. I think probably best go and uh, make my introductions. It's rude to enter somebody's temple and not uh, pay respect. Um, just find a seat. Uh, get yourself situated. Um, looks over to um, Amy. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I, she's been looking around with like wide eyes, like like this is all brand new to her. I don't know why mommy's always say, mommy and daddy always say that this this lady's mean because she's she's kind of nice. I mean, she's got a nice house and everything like that. Okay, this is really important. I need you to ask any questions that you want to ask that may occur to you of our friend Gaius. He's this, this is a powerful wizard, knows lots, will undoubtedly be able to answer any and all questions as they occur to you in the moment. So you just feel free to ask whatever. Yeah, but the problem is, is he likes to talk a lot. I don't think I, uh, I, I can listen very long. And oh, wow, that's a pretty window. And she, and she just wanders over and looks like staring at the window. As we've been having this discussion, you look up to find that the rather portly man wearing the good suit has been approaching. You can hear the talk 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 of his cane as he strolls toward you. He's got a little thin, neatly trimmed goatee and uh, a couple of uh, pencil mustaches that look really tiny on his face. Uh, well, hmm, our goat. Welcome to our Raven Crow. Ah, Gilded Lily. Check. He says, looking at a small black book. Bank. Check. God, ah, spend some time here with be Violetta, as I recall, so let's check there. Now, mm. ah, permit me to introduce myself. I'm Councillor Harthamont. I am also the town's barrister, and as such, the uh, executor of Pedro's Law Wars with Professor Pedro's Law Wars. And, uh, the, but the reading of the will is contingent on, upon two more rivals, and I count three among you, so let's see. As one of you, perhaps, then a... Hmm. 
Abel Longtoe. Y- yes, I'm I'm Doctor Longtoe. Oh, Doctor Longtoe. Ah, my apologies. He's squinty. It's quite alright. The professor was always rather annoyed that I studied medical so, degree rather than under him. Oh. Uh, if you look here, I need to go in. Of course, what? and w- would you ben, I... then be a uh, geese? Oh, Gaius, yeah. Uh, the full name is Gaiusula Teleberel, but I don't understand. I don't imagine you have the uh, prior knowledge required to uh, effectively render a uh, traditional elven name in your tongue. As as um, Abel walks past the counselor, he's going to pat him on the thigh and says, No, no, you got it right. right. And he heads over to the priest to introduce himself. As he wanders, as Yo-Yo wanders off, Gaius just mutters to himself in amazement, Doctor! Doctor Abel! Oh, man, everything I've known about the man is a lie! You come, and you come, you come to the priest who watches you approach. His eyes tiny beneath his brows, his face furrowed, unmoving. I welcome you to Phrasma's house in Ravenworld. Oh. May I take by the sign of the openly displayed symbol upon your cane that you are of the faith. I am in fact a reaper in preparation mm. know that you may call upon me at any time by an acolyte then I'm sorry can you repeat what you said an acolyte then yes I begin my crew duties upon death As I have been commissioned to conduct the ceremony, you are not needed at this instance, but you may assist with blessing the burial. Um, whatever you would find helpful. Very well. Potter over and Potter over and face the conundrum of being two foot tall in a temple with cues. After, you struggle a bit. After a polite cough, uh, the woman with the crystals around her neck goes and fetches a stool. Amy sees everybody sitting down. She quickly scampers over and very daintily and ladylike hops up in one of the pews and, and sits there with her legs crossed, sort of swinging her feet a little bit. Faithful mortals. All who traverse the coil, we are gathered here for the last rites of Professor Petros Lormore. He looks toward the coffin to the side of the hall. Black, lacquered, shut. He was a storied man. A lone scholar, 
the friend to many. He says, but as he says that, you can't but help but look around at the church, large, but almost devoid of people. There's barely enough to fill two rows, and you're half the contingent, more than half. It is our hope that he will rest in peace, and before we proceed to the burial, this is the chance for any who knew him in life to stand and wish him on his way, well on his way, to recount a story or a sentiment or to eulogize. So Gaius will stand and straighten his robes, prestigitate the tiny the, the tiny specks of dust that have managed to fall off the church roof down onto his cloak while he's been sitting still for a few moments, and then he'll approach the man, meet the eyes of everyone in the congregation, and say, The professor was uh, a very generous and learned man in my experience. A young Gelf such as myself, only 100 years old, set loose into the world with nary an idea where to go, not a friend to call upon. And the professor was there, pointed me in the direction of the university where I took up my lifelong dream and vocation, and it was on the professor's goodwill and grace that I made it through and graduated and stand here before you all. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. The world has lost a very, very great mind. Today. There's a crinkle of plastic as Amy pulls out one of her sugar sticks, unwraps it and starts sucking on it quietly. Gaius sees this and he's torn for a moment. He sort of falters in his speech, loses track of where he's at because his mind is just reeling with dead people. How do vampires... I must understand the composition of that. I'm sorry. Uh, let us return to the celebration else? of the professor's life. And Gaius smiles, bows, and steps away. Very good. Would anyone else care to supply a eulogy? And that's about the point the door slams open. And you hear a woman yell, No! No, I refuse to consider it. Sir, my father is gone. And you ask such things at this... And looking in that direction, well, three of you recognize a familiar face. The rest of you see a slender woman red robes. Her hair, her brown hair done back in a neat bun. Very attractive. Smooth of face. Hands in line by the hard work calluses of pretty much everyone else in the room. This is Kendra Lorimer. She is shouting out into the rain. I will not speak of it at this time and she hurries forward 
picking her skirt up and stopping in horror as she realizes that the funeral's already begun and she's late. Amy pulls out another sugar stick and sugar stick? They make me feel good. She takes it and stares at it in utter confusion. It's honey flavored. Behind her. Honey. Another figure trudges in from the rain. A man with brownish red hair. Square rimmed spectacles, thin and slim on his face. Wearing a decent suit. A staff across his back, carved with symbols that seem to jumble into each other. <sighs> Childish, but not entirely unexpected. You catch a mutter, or he strains up. Huh. See, we're just in time. She turns around and glares at him. Really not the time. We can all discuss more later, if you like. I won't, Kendra says. And slides into the pew. I believe that's all the time we have for eulogies today. Says Father Grimborough. And indeed, the mood of the chapel has gotten, seems to have gotten a little more tense. Well, Acolyte, he says, stepping down from the altar, if you'll come with me, I'll go and prepare the grave, as is custom. Of course. As is custom, the mourners will select those among them to bear the coffin and bear it after us. Damien will show you the way. And he gestures to a small to a small figure off to the side that uh, little Till can easily recognize as uh, wearing uh, a novice's robes. Human lad, maybe about 14, 15. Older boy. Okay. Um, yeah, he's gonna hop off of the pew and he's gonna go and do stuff. He is going to glance at Kendra from within 30 feet. Is that possible? Yeah. Everyone's and he is gonna say, and he, he is going to say in her mind, daughter of my friend if you have concerns I will find you and I will hear your story in full you will be heard and I wave so she can see it's me the little one her eyes narrow and usually usually you get you get startled looks you get curses you get jumps of surprise when you do this trick she seems to take it in stride He's the and professor's the, daughter, just of course got, he does. No, though her face is twisting with barely held back grief, rage, hard to say. She kind of gives you a little nod and returns to glaring to the man who, who's sitting on the pew opposite from her. Disappear and help the uh, priest with the uh, god-bothering bit. All right. You follow Father Grimborough out into the rain. 
Oh, I say, that, uh, that girl over there has, uh, similar facial features to the professor. I wonder if, hmm, he did mention having a daughter. She looks rather distressed. Amy hops up, walks over to Kendra and curtsies. I am Melian's Livier. Pleased to meet you. You may call me Amy. Oh. I hope the sugar stick Thank helps you. you. I know I know it helps me when mommy and daddy are always fighting. I'll try it later. My digestion's a little off at the minute. Okay. Thank you. I do appreciate the <laughs> go. Adivian Adressant, says the ginger-haired man, stretching hand over. Pleased to meet you there. It's another curtsy. She doesn't. She obviously doesn't shake his hand. <laughs> you notice that his hand is has stains on it, multicolored stains. He pulls it back, as you will. Are you a painter? I am indeed, actually. I'm painter. sorry. Um, Certainly no state to turn up like that at a funeral, my good man. Says Guy. Gestures at the suit. Some stains are easier to wash out than others. Uh, allow me. Gaius holds out his hand and prestigitates some of the paint stains off. Oh, goodness. Only the best for the That's professor. A bit of dabbling myself, but I've never learned this trick. Now, if the funeral were held in Grotus's tradition, it wouldn't matter. You could come splattered in paint, entrails, whatever you like. But for Asma, <laughs> the professor demands class. Class she shall have. Now, now I found this town be nothing but inspiring. And uh, I would like Professor to... was a far more intellectual company than I was expecting in this backwoods. Gaius raises an eyebrow as he. Go ahead. Sorry, I'd like to take a moment when I can to uh, approach Kendra and uh, ask if she's holding up all right. Oh. Lily, it's it's good to see you. She reaches up and puts a hand on your shoulder. I'm I'm keeping it together. Despite provocation. There's any assistance that I can provide. I I may need to hide behind you at some point and ball my eyes out. Is that okay? hand is shaking on your shoulder. I might just sit down next to her. Not right now, but I, once he goes in the... I, I don't know if I can... When he goes in next to Mother, I don't know if they... I'll be strong. Amy pulls off a backpack, starts digging around in it, and pulls out one of the stuffed toys that had been in the trunk with her. Here, this might help. It helps me when I need to hug something. It's like a teddy bear or something. Alright, after a few more minutes and some general conversation, and uh, Edivian was happy to talk your ear off, Gaius, as the two, as one chatterbox runs its smack into another. Ah, well, yes, when you're talking about matters of a nobody knows what the Ar Arzak's golden meme is in this town here. Oh, yes, yes, see, see, my my stock, my family, you know, worship was all, all, all towards Desna. Now, I read about Grotus, right? And the professor sort of... Ah, Grotus! You know, the Mad Moon. 
Well, you know, the professor, you know, he, he shared my assertion and Crotus's assertion that everything must come to an end, but it's the manner, the mechanisms through which the end happens that are interesting and worthy of appreciation, like a good painting. Yes. I see you're a fellow man of taste. Excellent. Now you'll have to stop by sometime. I've got a room in the inn. We'll have a discussion. After all this, of course. No idea the professor was... Well, I knew he ran in a lot of circles, and he was a brilliant mind, but I had no idea so many people held him in such high esteem. Oh, I didn't come here for him, but he was a happy surprise. At this about that point, Damien clears the throat. Ahem, as is the custom of, uh, as of the faithful Phrasma is now time to choose the coffin bearers and escort the departed to their final you catch him looking down at his hand and a little scrap of paper poking out resting place and the group look and those inside look around at each other and you see the uh, fellow who introduced himself as Harthmont, the barrister, looked down at his cane and shrug. You see, the uh, attractive young woman has kept her mouth shut and just kind of watching all of you shift her eyes away. I hope I hope Daddy into his box all the time. Oh, uh, you poor... I think this is rather different... Uh box young lady I, I can stand up and approach all right uh, violet is also going to to go help hmm? all right when she sees the two of you moving the elven-blooded lady with the crystals in her hair kind of stands gives herself a shake that kind of tinkles them together then moves over how oh, how could i and a divian sighs as a glint says past well it'd be a shame to let the woman do all the work eh? not to be chivalrous as he walks over takes the last corner of it alright let's not drop him if the procession will please follow me through Phrasma's spiral as the as the uh, novice goes to the door on the other end of the church and opens it into the graveyard. Undoing about five or six locks to do so. And you set out into the rain. You walk among the graveyard, tombstones jutting like ragged teeth from the earth, the rain pattering down from above, rolling off the coffin slicking the black wood it's pretty thick actually and as you go it doesn't take any particular act of perception as you round a path past a fairly large mausoleum to see that there's about two that's about uh, 15, 16, 17 people in the path ahead. 
Farmers, perhaps. Workers. Staring at you. Mostly men. Looking at, out at you from under the caps. A couple of them leaning on clubs. Amy moves to the front yeah. and holds her uh, pot lid in one hand. Like she's an honor guard or something. And the tallest of them, an elderly looking man with one dead white eye steps forward coughing a bit you know he's got an old sword buckled around his uh, waist sheathed <clears throat> that's far enough we've been talking and we don't want Lormore buried in the graveyard you can take him up river and bury him there if you want but he ain't going in the ground here Kendra steps forward, practically vibrating with anger. What are you talking about? I arranged it with Father Grimbo Burrow. He's waiting for us. The grave's already been... You don't get it, woman. We won't have a necromancer buried in the same place as our kin. Suggest you move out now while you still can. Folks are pretty upset about this right now. Necromancy? Are you really that ignorant? Necromancer? But just you wait a minute. Gaia steps forwards up to the man and he says i'll have no slander against the professor's name here at his funeral of all places now what's the harm of putting him in the ground just like everyone else roll me a persuasion check there guys let's see Gaius is not good at persuading people he just sort of rubs his mouth and goes <laughs> off so this is gonna be uh, not very good for him. No, it's only a five. He spit. He spit. You don't know nothing of our ways. That is a failure. One of question mark. You don't know nothing of our ways outside. This ain't your business. You done said your words. Get on out. Go bury him somewhere else. Amy will walk up to him. Excuse me, sir. Um, what makes the professor a necromancer? Please? I'd be interested in that question myself. Of course he's a necromancer. He uses dark magics. He's got God knows what in that house of his. He's always talking about with strange folk and worse things. And his eyes kind of drift toward bank. I will fetch you. I will correct the records there immediately, my good man. See, I've known the professor for some years now. Never, not once did he practice necromancy. He was interested in the occult, but the magic he practiced was primarily of the abjuration and divination schools, you see. Not mm. once did he reanimate a corpse. Rather, so, he wants to learn the uh, the origin of some of the supernatural phenomena we bear right. witness to. Amy, by any chance, are you trained in Arcana? Um, I unfortunately am not. All right. Awesome. Go ahead. Then, uh, Gaius, go ahead and roll me an Arcana check to try and bamboozle him with uh, Tech Talk. Let's see. It's, just, it's less bamboozling him with Tech Talk, more that just Gaius is, like, trying to put the record straight that the magic he's yes. seen the... uh-huh <laughs> is it is it necromancy it's just he uses a lot of technical terms you're trying realize. to explain it to this fellow who yeah yeah so we're only in a to break it down that's gonna be a 21 okay as you that is a success as you chat you notice the of the group behind him about six of them kind of look at each other 
look toward the front of things. You see them kind of talking, and uh, as the fellow's oblivious, they kind of slip off between the graves and start heading away. One of them tossed on the branch he was carrying away. The mob is down to about a dozen. Ten to a dozen. Ah! You're trying to fool me with them big words. I know what's right and what ain't. That fella's gonna curse this land even more we put him next to our kin. He's gonna raise him up and they'll do horrible, horrible things. Terrible no. things. I assure you that giggling. not at all how curses work. I'm sorry, I don't think he can do anything like that if he's not gonna wake up later like uh, some people. Really. No one here's waking up. And she's just giggling because this is the funniest thing she's ever heard. Okay. Is the local is the local priest doing anything? Is he talking to his parishioners or anything? So you've just spent the last couple of minutes preparing the grave. It's like doing the blessings, and in the distance you can hear raised voices in discussion. And the priest, it's, yes, it is about this point that the priest looks up. Oh, bother. Come with me, please. And starts going that way as fast as his old bones will allow him. So okay. he'll be there next round. All right, now, here's a question. Would anyone else like to help contribute to the challenge? Try to talk down the mob? Do something to dissuade them? I think Guild uh, is trying to not be seen despite being so large and very much right. visible. Amy Staying is going to try now. in her own way to persuade them that, come on, this is not happening. These, this right. nice lady just wants her daddy in, in to be buried and no one's going to no wake up later. Really, they're not. All right. Would Bank and, Kat, would Bank and uh, Violetta also like to have a go? Uh, I don't know how Bank could help, and also whether he should or not. <laughs> All right, but Bank is also staying out of it. All right, how about Violetta? Um, I'm trying to think if there's like a way that she could be sneaky about it without just outright intimidating them. Um, okay, sneaky like how? Like a distraction? Like, uh... um. Yeah, I think she's going to try to sort of uh, work her way away from the group and try to, like, draw their attention to something else. Uh, right. Maybe, like, uh, make noise or something somewhere else. Try and All right. distract them. So, If you were one of the ones okay. carrying the coffin, I am able to grab your side as well. That's right. You have uh, can carry big loads, right? That's one of your uh, mannequin traits, yeah. Okay, cool. So, I uh, will take uh, for uh, Violetta, roll me a stealth check, and for still learning names, Amy, roll me a persuasion check. Okay, I have an 18 on the dice, so for persuasion, um, give me a quick moment here. Um, two, and for training, that's another two, so that's uh, 22 total. All right, how'd that stealth check go? Uh, okay, I got a... So it's a seven, so it's a plus three, but I'm also proficient. Mm -hmm. So is that another plus two with my bonus? Sure is, or... and 12 okay. is just enough. So, 
I would also point out if you were if you were worried about that, you could use Lucky to re-roll it. But you made it. Ah, right. You made it. And so Amy rattle, rattles on at the old man and uh, gets into it, squats down and starts bad, arguing back with her. And that's enough. You can see about like the six, about half the group kind of look at each other, look at him like with a serious amount of disbelief. Then kind of walk off. He's trying to out argue a child. Yeah, it's, it's, let's go get a drink. Yeah, then the child's wedding. That's what's getting me. The child's wedding. And, uh, as they, and then, and in a moment, as, uh, the old man's like shaking his finger in your face, back in my day, kids knew to respect their elders. This is a series of cracks and pops from the side of the trail. And Mommy? the group kind of looks around. Uh, something's sneaking up and up on us. Something's... Mommy shouldn't uh... be here. She's back at the castle with Daddy. And they bolt. Seeing that is uneasy to sort of what? add to the Something's illusion. sneaking up on us? Stand firm! Don't! And the man turns uh... around to realize he's alone. Uh, don't! Gaius just flicks his hand and uses Mage Hand, and the Mage Hand, the Spectral Hand, materializes just behind the man and thumps him on the shoulder. He whirls around after all the sword, and that's when Father Grimborough and Abel rush out from behind the graves. What is the meaning of this? Uh, nothing. Fine, I see how how it is. He's jumping at shadows by the looks of things. I've told you, Mr. Gibbs. This is a settled matter. Ugh! Still ain't right. Gibbs, Hefness, get out of my graveyard. Yes, sir. And the elderly man stalks off. Amy goes over to the bush and starts poking at it like she's expecting somebody to come out of it. Mommy, are you in there? <laughs> So, your father's a vampire. What would your mother be? What? Urgy? That's that's what people call her, Urgy. Uh, after uh, poking the bush, Violetta just kind of stands up. <laughs> oh, hi, you're not mommy. Okay. <laughs> if you're quite finished, says Father Grimborough. Children and their little games, says Gaius, just shrugging. Gaius says to the priest, I'm fairly sure they can keep going on and on and on. It's best just to go ahead and proceed. And you bear the coffin to its final resting place. I apologize. I... I... I'm... Thank you, says Kendra, coming up to you as you bear the coffin. I, I'm sorry. The, those were local farmhands, all of low character. Very ignorant and uneducated, if I say so myself. The professor, necromancy. Well, if he oh, was he a was necromancer... <laughs> those were idiots. 
plain and simple. Looking at if dowsing is considered necromancy now, then I'm surely the most horrible dark wizard to set foot in this land in quite some time. Really? How many armies have you raised? None, and that's precisely the point. Uh, the professor was very... notice once he started talking like this, the uh, other townsfolk here have started slowly easing back from you just a bit. <laughs> How can you be an evil dark wizard if you haven't raised any armies? Because uh, the innocence and naivety of youth... Uh, see, you I'm not start. really, and nor was the professor, but we both tinker with things that are, well, not polite dinner table conversation, yes? Then why did you claim to be a dark evil evil wizard if you're not? Abel's gonna lean over Abel's gonna lean over to Amy and say the answer to the question will become evident. All you have to do is spend more time with him. (laughs) Gaius conjures a rose out of thin air and lays it down on the casket as it's lowered into the grave. And indeed it is. You have reached it. Coffin goes into the grave without any further interference. Father Grimborough gives a short sermon. Invites Kendra to say a few words. Kendra fighting back tears. He was a courageous man. He sought out hidden evils, drew them into the light where they could be destroyed. He taught me things that look like monsters aren't always but there are monsters and they have to be fought at every for every inch but they'll take everything taught me that knowledge knowledge is the best weapon we need to be well armed for the fight ahead the world lost a hero to a hero when he passed and excuse me she goes and hides behind Lily <laughs> Amy walks up to the the, the, uh, the hole looks down I'm sorry I couldn't get here sooner professor I was really hoping you and I could help my daddy find his pal but uh, um, maybe you'll stay sleeping and you'll be comfortable that way I'll let daddy know that you're comfortable Father blesses it, speaks words, the blue seal of Phrasma flashes in the air, settling down to the grave. The rain ceases a moment. Well, it's done. And from there, we open on a crackling fire in a small sitting room, crowded with a lot of you. Professor Lorimore's house has always been functional, over stylish, and it is cluttered with knickknacks and trophies and objects. from his various adventures. A rapier hangs on one wall. The head of a displacer beast hangs on another. 
Does it periodically randomly just fall off the wall as it rematerializes six inches off the hook? No, but if you reach up to try and adjust it, your hand touches bare wood. How on earth is he going to manage to do that? Hmm. He's left his step ladders back at the, at the carriage. Yeah. The rest of the funeral attendants have gone home, with the exception of the large fellow with the tiny little mustaches. Is this the guy who was chuckling? No, this is Councillor Herthmont. This is the city. This is the town's barrister. All right. All right. I see that we are gathered here. Everyone in order. He pulls out a oversized silver pocket watch and kind of opens it up. Considers it. Him. We are gathered here for the reading of the will of one Petro, Professor Petros Lawmore. And he pulls out a scroll case, turns it around to show the professor's seal on it, unbroken. He fumbles with it, breaks the seal, and opens up the case, and a small key falls out and clatters onto the table. He looks down at it as if it personally called him a name, then back up to the rest of you. Ahem! <clears throat> Gaius manifests his mage hand and it just scoops the key up off the floor and proffers it to him. Counselor takes it, squinting at you suspiciously. Please refrain from any further spellcasting until we're done with the proceedings, sir. I, Petrus Loomo, being of sound mind, do hereby commit to this parchment my last will and testament. Let it be known that, with the exception of the specific details below, I leave my home and personal belongings entire to my daughter Kendra. Use them or sell them as you see fit, my child. Yet beyond the bequeathing of my personal effects, this document must serve other needs. I have arranged for the reading of this document to be delayed until all principals can be in attendance, for I have more than inheritance to apportion. I have two final favors to ask. To my old friends, I hate to impose upon you all. But there are a few others who are capable of appreciating the true significance of what it is I have to ask. As some of you know, I have devoted many of my studies to all manner of evil, that I might know the enemy and inform those better positioned to stand against it. For knowledge of one's enemy is the surest path to victory over its plans. And so, over the course of my lifetime, I have seen fit to acquire a significant collection of valuable but dangerous tomes, any of which in the wrong circumstances could have led to an awkward legal situation. While the majority of these tomes remain safe under lock and key at the Leopardstadt University, I fear that a few I have borrowed remain in a trunk in my Raven Grow home. Though not invaluable for my work in life, in death I would prefer not to burden my daughter with the darker side of my profession, or worse still, the danger of possessing these tomes myself. As such, I am entrusting my chest of tomes to you posthumously. I ask that you please deliver the collection to the, my colleagues at the University of Leopardstadt who will put them to good use for the betterment of the cause. Yet before you leave for Leopardshot, there's the matter of another favor. Please delay your journey one month and spend that period of time here in Ravengrow to ensure that my daughter is safe and sound. She has no one to count on now that I am gone, and if you would aid her in setting things in order for whatever she desires over the course of this month, you would have my eternal gratitude. From my savings, 
I have also willed to each of you a sum of 100 platinum coins. For safekeeping, I have left these funds with Embrith Deramid, one of my most trusted friends in Lepidstadt. She has been instructed to issue this payment upon the safe delivery of the borrowed tomes no sooner than one month after the date of this reading of the will. I, Petrus Lormore, hereby sign this will in Ravengrove on the first day of Calistriel in the year... The barrister coughs a bit and tells you the current year. Uh, sorry, tells you a date ten years back. Um. You hear that, my dear Yo-Yo? Back to the Alma Mater. First time in two years. It's going to be a little bit more complicated than that. Oh, we have to to deliver some books, put them in the library. Oh, how many days and nights we spent in that library poring over those tomes and to think there were more of them that we didn't even know existed. Oh, we knew they were existing. To go have a lie down, says Kendra, nodding to the counselor. If you want to look at that crate, you can. I think I need to be alone for a bit. You can all stay here tonight. You don't have to stay at the inn. Uh, uh, once I get some rest, I'll lay out bedding for you. Those who need it. Well, I just I'm no take a here, I'll clean take my leave, spot on the floor answer. for me to kneel. But I think I would be correct in speaking for my associates when I say thank you for the hospitality. Thank you. Father's not wrong. I could do with some company for a few weeks at least. Would you May like I some ha- tea? I, I, I can probably make you a, a pot of tea to, uh, to make you feel better. Tea would be lovely. The kitchen's that way. Excuse me. Okay. And you he, she retreat, picks up her skirts and retreats upstairs quickly. Amy goes to find the kitchen and, and do her best to make a pot of tea. <laughs> sure. Um... But- Abel is going to look at the counselor and say, Are you in a position to extend permission for my carriage to be brought here and parked for the next month on this no, property? This as long as nobody thing. rifles around inside it. I'm assuming there's nothing dangerous from untoward about your carriage. Huh? So, uh, uh, just a very delicate space, man. There. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let I'll let the sheriff know that that's what it is. Can you possibly direct us towards some locals who would be competent and able to move my carriage here? Because as you can imagine, me getting out and pushing isn't going to accomplish very much, except maybe... Again, make sure they don't rifle around inside. Very important, expensive instruments that are very delicate in there. I well, can fra- get it if you like. It's a very large carriage, and I don't it, have any beasts of burden. I am stronger than I look. I've got it. It is rather late. I doubt you'd find. Frankly, sir, I doubt you'd find anyone willing to lend help to strangers at this hour. You saw the quality of the the attitudes of the the townsfolk toward the professor in the graveyard. I fear. It might be best to let things smooth over a bit. That's that's my read on the situation. 
Lily, Come was it? Come morning's light, there may be, and the application of the night's liquor, you might find more agreeable people. Uh, was it? Says Gaius. I would be glad for you to assist. Uh, but please, refrain from touching the instruments, and I must ask, the countenance of your body and the fact that you have such strength, I must ask. Mm. How to phrase the question. What persuasion are you in terms of the living question? See, I had my eyes on you the whole funeral, the way you hoisted up the, the casket there on your own on one side, and ah, I was wondering... If I might be permitted to interrupt, says the counselor. Yes, you said you're strong and able of... Yes, I've seen you moving things before. Yes. When you were in town, the the trunk is upstairs. Would you care to bring it down? Oh, it should course. be in the yeah, I believe it's in the study. He points with the cane upwards. Uh, I'd help, but the gout. You understand how it is. Company, you says Gaius. You know, magical tomes. Better to be safe than sorry. Pays to have somebody knowledgeable in such things on hand. And the counselor p puts the key you hand the fellow the scroll tube on the table and heads toward the door. And as, as Lily heads up to get the trunk, Gaius is just going to bug her the whole time with questions trying to determine where exactly she falls on the amortality-mortality spectrum being essentially an animated doll and, and trying to figure out what implications this has on his understanding of how things live and die. And I'm not actually able to give much helpful information. I've been wondering much the same things myself. You're fine. Yeah, you stick with me and we shall find the answers together. Whilst they're out of the room, um, Abel is going to say to the others, please forgive my friend Gaius for being so Gaius-like. I can't give you any kind of justification. I'm just very fond of him. And she makes me laugh. <laughs> but he's a nice... Well... Okay, he's bombastic, but please forgive him. Nice by some people's very specific standards. You find the trunk in the very crowded study. It's... Literally, there's walls of paper and bookshelves. And uh, various objects dart, and something that looks like an orrery tucked in the corner. There's a glo hanging globe. There's, yeah. So before, before it's an old Lily... scholar's workshop, but there is a there is a trunk off to one side. Before Lily has the chance to pick it up, Gaius is just going to rush over and slip the key in the lock and lift the lid up and just. Check what's inside, you know, un ostensibly okay. for safety reasons. It's a, uh, yeah, the chest is small, oaken, bound with iron, and the lock, the, the key fits in perfectly. Click. It is now unlocked. Opening it, you said? Sure thing, and peeking inside. All right. Both of you see that within are several obviously old tombs and one relatively new one that sits on top and bears the phrase, Read me now, scratched into the leather cover. Yeah, we'll save that one for when we have it downstairs, shall we? Gaius 
Pops's eyes pass over the other tomes, and can he get a general idea of any of the subject matter? Are there any sort of common threads? Well, just by looking at them, be grabbing one, taking it out, flipping through it, but not wasting too much time. There are five. Tome. Sorry. There are, yeah, five tomes in there besides the Read Me Now, which looks to be a battered, simple, plain, leather bound parchment thing. Nice. I notice an I, I recognize an old textbook when I see one. <laughs> yep. The most impressive one. Is a has a rich purple cover. No title. Contains a brass scarab set with a single eye in its center. It's it's rimmed in the covers are rimmed in polished steel and clasped with a small but intricate lock. And uh, there is a note with an envelope attached to it, sticking out of uh, the snap cover. Uh, let's leave that as well till we're downstairs, shall we? There's a but... jet. Bl- there's a jet black book that uh, it has war- faded into the cover. The words, On Verified Madness. There is oh, this one a portfolio that has glowing runes sealing it that you obviously can see as an arcane lock that's called The Fragments of Bastard Hall. There is a book that's uh, bound in something that is decidedly too pink to be leather called, titled Serving Your Hunger. And there is a purple book with golden letters declaring this book to be the Umbral Leaves. And you gather up, put the books back in the trunk, gather it up, and bring it downstairs. Is anyone downstairs doing anything in the meantime? Besides, you are making tea, Amy. Making tea and singing to herself. It's a creepy little song, so... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And uh, Little Toe was apologizing for his friend. Lily and Bank and Amelia... Anything? So no, it's not Amelia. Uh, blah, 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 Violetta. Anything you'd like to do while you're down here? Any talks you'd like to have? Mm. Nothing I can think of. All right. You sit and wait as the teapot shrills, and. Your friends returned with the trunk. Gaius immediately fishes out the tome that says, read me now, and clears his throat as he places it down on the table. But he doesn't open it and start reading it. Instead, he ponders the rest of the tomes in the box. 
and aware that everyone else is probably curious to see what's in the box. He doesn't want to waste any time. So he's going to start immediately drawing a magic circle, sketching it out on the floorboards, arranging his spell components, and spending the next ten minutes setting up a ritual cast of detect magic while the rest discuss what they need to. you explain what you're doing? Uh, just, uh, you know, old books. Uh, they may have curses, they may melt your eyeballs if you read them the wrong way. You know, the professor dabbled in some, well, they won't sugarcoat it, some rather nasty things sometimes. So it pays to be safe and make sure that these are as mundane as they seem to be. At least one of them has an arcane lock on it. So, you know, better to be safe than sorry, as they say. And as you as you finish the ritual, the only magic that flares to life. Huh? Actually, there are two magical thing auras that flare to life in the room. One is uh, the obvious arc, uh, the obvious ward on the ba fragments of bastard hall. That's magical. The second one is a aura on a hat hanging on the wall. Looks like an alpine, alpine hat. Kind of triangular with a feather sticking out of it. It raises his eyebrow. Oh. Well, isn't that interesting? I'll have to ask... I'll have to ask Kendra about that later. I don't think she'd appreciate me just taking it down and poking around the bloody thing, but... Well, the books, at the very least, are safe. Although the knowledge contained within may not be. So, please, if you want to crack one open for some bedtime reading, perhaps, uh, let me know first. Perhaps we should start with the read me first. It does direct us to read it first, so, uh, yes, uh, Gaius takes the book and opens it and clears his throat, and what exactly is it inviting us to read? You see that it is clearly scribbled on the first page. Pro Journal of Petros Lormor, number 48. Ah, it's one of his research journals, uh... Actually, it looks to be a day-to-day day journal as you start flipping through it. No, not research. Grocery shopping. His handwriting has gotten even harder to understand in the years since we last talked, but I think I can decipher it. And Gaius will read aloud the salient points. Alright. You read aloud the salient points, which turns out to be easy... Most of it, indeed, is small-town life and living. A few talking about research projects that get mailed to him, or notes sent sent Lily to this, hasn't reported in yet. Sent Guys Lily and Bank together to investigate this. the two-headed terror of T Titan's Bay. Turned out to be an ill-tempered shark, mutated shark. Gaius pauses but, his reading, and he looks over at Lily, and he says, Your name's coming up rather quite a lot here in this journal. I'm sorry. It may be very presumptuous of me to ask, but he almost writes of you as if you're a servant, and I think... 
Please forgive me if I'm stepping out of bounds, but are you a homunculus of some description or manner? Uh, um, I, I'm not sure I understand, but, but I, I, I spent a lot of time um, helping, helping out the professor and running errands as he needed. And he, 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 he brought you into his house off the street, or, or do you remember anything before your service to him? Or No, no, I am getting ahead of myself. Let's continue. We'll discuss the finer points later. And as you read, you start, towards the end of the journal, you're starting to find entries circled with red ink. The first one is t from ten years ago. It's actually middle of the journal, it's, and it reads, you can almost hear Lorimore's voice as you read it. The Whispering Way is more than just a cabal of necromancers. I see that now. Undeath is their fountain of youth. Uncovering their motivation does not place me at ease as I thought it might. The desire to be eternal simply makes them more dangerous. Then, an entry from two months ago. It is as I had feared. The way is interested in something here in Ravengrow, but what could it be? One month ago. Whatever the way seeks, I am now convinced the goal is connected to Harrowstone. In retrospect, I suppose it all makes sense. The stories they tell about the ruins in town are certainly chilling enough. It may be time to investigate the ruins, but with everyone in town already being so worked up about them, I'd rather not let the others know about my curiosity. There's plenty of folks hereabouts who already think I'm a demonologist or a witch or something. Ignorant fools. Twenty days ago is the next entry. It is confirmed. The way seems quite interested in something. No, strike that. Someone who was held in Harrowstone. But who specifically is the way after? I need a list of everyone who died the night of the fire. Everyone. The Temple of Phrasma must have such a list. This, the next entry is from 18 days ago. I see now just how ill-prepared I was when I last set out for the Harrowstone. I am lucky to have returned at all. The ghosts, if indeed they were ghosts, for I did not find it prudent to investigate further, prevented me from transcribing the strange symbols I found etched along the foundation. Hopefully on my next visit I will be more prepared. Thankfully, the necessary tools to defend against spirits are already here in Ravengrow. I know that the Church of Phrasma used to store them in a false crypt in the Restlands, at the intersection between Eversleep and the Black Path. I'm not certain if the current clergy even know of what their predecessors have hidden down below. If my luck holds, I should be able to slip in and slip out with a few borrowed items. The final entry is, for, is from 17 days ago, and it reads... Tomorrow evening, I return to the prison. It is imperative the way does not finish. My caution has already cost me too much time. I'm not sure what will happen if I am too late, but if my theory is right, the entire town could be at risk. I don't have time to update my will, so I'll leave this in the chest where it'll be sure to be found, should the worst case come to pass. The rest Gaius. of the entry journal is blank. Gaius finishes his reading and he lets the words just linger for a moment and then he says, Well, uh, I think it's clear as it said there. The professor was involved in something and had some unfinished business that he means for us to attend to. 
Hence why we've been instructed to remain in this village for a month. And I, for one, find myself very curious as to what the professor was wrapped up in. Lists of names and deaths and fires and strange ruins and demonologists and witches. The professor has left us in his... Go ahead. Sorry, would I know anything about where this Harrowstone is? Hmm. Is this Lily? Yes. Um, I'm assuming it's related to the town. That's what I was picking up. Um, yes, you do. But before we do that, I'd like to ask everyone to make me a history check. History check? And give me a second. I'm doing something. Uh, Non-natural 20 for Gaius. 17. Okay. History is one of the things he's good at. 21 for Amy. Lovely. I I suppose if you're a vampire, you may look like a child, but you're probably like (laughs) centuries old. Mommy had some interesting stories, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Mommy and Daddy had some really fun bedtime stories, all right? (laughs) Those looking at the log will see that uh, Yo-Yo got a nat 20, so a total of 24. You're all fairly learned. Bank got a four. (laughs) Bank bank knows nothing. But putting your heads together, you remember (laughs) Harrowstone. Hearing that about 20, it. I think I'm probably got a book about it. <laughs> for actually, uh, yeah, for Bank, you probably have. For this is a sore spot with the church. So Bank and uh, Eliza. Sorry, Bank and Lily, and Violetta. You know that Harrowstone is the name of the old ruins up to the west of town, and the professor. Z- basically told you, don't go near them, they're dangerous. But nobody in town talks about it, and if they can help it, usually. Hmm. Not with you, anyway, but then the town's never been quite at ease with the professor's friends. But putting your heads back together, so, uh, Harrowstone was Ustalov's attempt at a supermax prison. It was built to hold the worst of the worst, and uh, you didn't realize it was here. You knew it was off in the middle of nowhere somewhere. But uh, there was a good... There was a good while there, before your time, of course, when any time somebody did something really horrible in the country, they got thrown into Harrowstone. But something happened, and people stopped getting sent to Harrowstone. That's all you know off the top of your head. The professor has bequeathed a a good mystery. Oh, with that natural 20 there. You recall... Yo-Yo recalls reading books of uh, things to be sorted out in the local diocese. And 
Cleansing Harrow Stone has been written down and scratched out four times in that one book you read. There were multiple attempts to exercise the place, and the reports all came back with a list of dead priests that tried and failed. That place is haunted. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys, but Harrow Stone is like a a tooth with a really rotten cavity right in uh, the Temple of Phrasma has been struggling with Harrow Stone for some time. A rotten cavity? You mean it's haunted, right? I mean, that's the obvious implication there. Well, there are some places that are haunted, and then there are some places that spiritually infested. I thought we weren't going home. And then there's Harrowstone. My God. And you jolted the sudden voice, turned to see Kendra on the stairs, peering down. That's that's, that's where Father was found. On the grounds of Harrowstone. A gargoyle had fallen from the wall, and Really? Gaius immediately lights up, looks towards her, and says, Well, your father has left us with quite the mystery, quite the conundrum to solve. See, he suspected that something potentially dangerous was currently underway there, and now you're saying that's where he was found. But Gaius turns to the others. I think it's clear... Yes, Sorry? but he was found three weeks ago. That's... Whatever's happened, is it too late? His diary entries suggest that something could threaten the town if left unchecked, and that's what I think he was looking into. Now, if it's been three weeks, then I would say that time is of the essence, and I think as his closest friends and confidants... It falls to us to make sure that the business he died for is uh, wrapped up, as it were. You know, a good mystery needs to be solved. I think that we're all mindful that we need to try and honor the professor's wishes. What I would suggest is that we also look at the timeliness. Um... Miss Kendra, when you came and joined us at the funeral, you were very upset and you were wanting to say something and you were being silenced. I think I can say that you are certainly amongst the friends of your father. Can you tell us now what it is that you wanted to say at the funeral? Friends, protégés, worshippers, you know. Well, I... I had... I... I suppose, yes. If he trusted you, I trust you. And she looks over at Amy. I really don't sense any ill intent from you, to be honest. And you look to have made some excellent tea. For judging by the smell, you'd probably go better take it off before it boils over. Oh, Daddy uh, Daddy taught me how to make tea. Um, People call him Lord Arigale, but uh, he's just Daddy to me. 
Oh. That's that name. Used to no abilities. Yeah, you can roll me a history check if you like. Yeah, Gaius will. Especially with his suspicions about Amy, that's going to be a 17 from Gaius. Got a 15. Yeah, I was really hoping the professor could help me find uh, my daddy's pal. Um, his name was uh, Din Status. And uh, him and mommy were always arguing about his pal Din Status. And uh, um, the fact that he lost him and stuff. So I was really hoping that maybe if I found this found Din, then maybe mommy and daddy wouldn't fight so much. So, target number 15 on this. Yeah, got She's it. eight years old. She's going to tell you everything if you ask her a question. Yeah, okay. yeah uh, um, um, Abel is going to go and sit down next to Amy and he says, I'm going to explain everything you need to know about Din's status. Just as soon as we allow Kendra <laughs> to speak. Is, All right. is that okay? Can you be patient, sweetheart? Oh yeah, I can be patient. Mommy says I can be very patient, especially when we're playing hide and seek. And rest oh. assured, we will do what we can to assist your father, but I'll need to ask many, many questions about him and his particular uh, persuasion and where he so... sleeps during the day and how it all works. It... Does okay. that mean you're going to be quiet when I talk? Uh, of course. I will write things down. So, for those who've got a 15 or more putting your heads together, you don't... You think you recognize the family name? It's nobility from Varno. It definitely sounds eastern. Varno's like the far eastern edge of the country. And, uh... But... You know, you know, it's a noble line. Maybe not... It's not the current count, but it's maybe a few branches off. Emperism in the nobility makes sense to me. Yeah. I never thought the professor had such a marvel that he made acquaintance with and didn't even tell me. But that's beyond the point for now. The point it, it is... is... You asked me a question, said Kendra. I'm sorry. Um, on the whole walk, walk here, Mr. Adressant was bothering me with a number of offers. Primarily that he'd like to uh, purchase the house and the professor's um, property on... All told, he basically was offering to give me a quite large sum of gold and allow me to quote-unquote get out of this pissant hellhole. What does I rather he want took then? offense to that. He was rather pushy, too. I don't know. He's some rich dilettante who came into town for an artistic inspiration or something of the sort. His father took a shine to him. He was quite knowledgeable in the arcane. They devoted many things. I did mention that he was not in town for your father. That was just a uh, happy coincidence, which, which, which I think was a rather rude thing to say at a funeral. Happy coincidence, but... So he was just passing through. Was there anything in particular that you think he would have wanted from your father? Oh, I don't know. 
They talked well, quite a lot. I find I found him rather rude. And what was it that you? Possible. If you want, you can go ask him. He's been staying at the inn, been there for months. We very much, we very just might. Uh, question. You know, he goes out and paints landscapes or something. Kendra, what was it that you wanted to say? That people were very quick to rush over you and close off the eulogy, and what was it that you wanted to communicate? Oh, mainly it was my anger at him raising these questions now. <sighs> Point, sure did was... he mention anything being inspired or interested in these ruins where your father was found, Giants? Well, uh, he may may have painted them, I don't know. He painted them, out yes, and paints. of course. Of course. I think we'll have to definitely question him. Question! Gaius points at the hat on the wall that the faint magic aura was emanating oh. from. He says, uh, this hat, it's just... I've been very curious, and I must know... Uh, do you know what this is? Oh, yes, of course. That's that's Father's glamour hat. Glamour she takes, hat. She takes it down from the wall, puts it on, there's a ripple, and you're, look, and you're looking at a dwarf about two feet smaller. Oh. Dwarven version of her. She smiles and snaps her hands, and you're looking at a tall, gangly hobgoblin. Then snaps her fingers again, takes it off. Its proper term is a hat of disguise, but I like glamour hat a bit more. She puts it back on the hook. Very if marvelous! If you have, think you have a use for it, you're welcome to borrow it. We're going to be here we, for about a month at least. We just may, though I'm not sure what. At least not yet. Kendra, may I have may without drawing too much attention? You're may... local here, aren't you, Lily? When we approach that man, he may recognize you. This could be a way to ensure that he does not. But the question, of course, would be: Would it be better for him to see you for who you are, given his interest in the professor? How long would it have been since I was last here? Oh, months at least. Yeah. Forgive me, I've been over-talking yo-yo yet again. Continue, old chap. You had a line of inquiry of your own. I was just gonna ask for Kendra's permission for Gilded Lily and I to bring the carriage into her yard. Oh, of course. Oh, you probably want to hurry before the night gets too dark. It's, uh... The locals, none of them go outside after nightfall, and that that's common sense. It won't but bother it, you? I'd recommend you go in a group with plenty of lights. It won't bother you uh, to have the uh, strange odors and whatnot emanating from it all night? Just outside It'll your be house? outside. Yes, but you see, yo-yo's cured sausages and my instruments. If they're a different no, smell, no, 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 smell, no. Then... My cooking and my brewing is fine. 
the weird ass stuff you get up to with all manner of chemicals and cadavers. Now that could be a little bit odd, but we are in fact talking about the daughter of her erstwhile professor. Of course, she's probably smelled much, much worse. <laughs> I'm sure she has. You were getting quite up in her face just a few moments ago. My now, father never did get into the knack of alchemy, so I'm sure, quite sure that whatever you want to bring to the yard will be fine. Why you suggested we go in a group with lights. This is, by all accounts, uh, coming through here, seems to be a rather quiet village. Is it normal for there to be an anticipation of danger at night in these parts? Gaius, we are cardi folk. We are as strange as an assemblage of people can be. And these are country, uneducated. There's been a death recently. They've got Harrowstone just on their doorstep. They're going to be twitchy and very quick to get out the sign. Point taken. You still encounter one. There's still things in the moors. They usually don't come near town, usually, because they know there's not much good prey after nightfall, because everyone stays indoors. But I don't want you to get unlucky, is all I'm saying. Well, then. certainly make sure we don't go anywhere alone in that case. Yeah, no, Mommy says the best hunting usually happens after dark because that's when people scream so nicely. We will most certainly not be running into that! Please take her with you, says Gennon. <sighs> gonna look at Violetta and, um, um, Yielded Lily and I and Bank and just sort of gesture. Uh, would you all be so kind there? We'll take a little walk. And well, as we walk, can you bring me up to date on what kind of nourishment uh, and rituals you would like me to be having on hand and ready for you? I will gladly come and help. I will not be requiring any nourishment. Because very aware of any special dietary requirements, he looks at Amy. Yeah, he's gonna kick him in the ankle. Kick, kick so, Gaius in the ankle. <laughs> let's bring not... the carriage in, shall we? So we can all settle down and let this horrible day finally come to an end. Rem spend the rest of the hours of the night reminiscing about good times and good memories, shall we? Amy somehow found a piece of jerky in, in one of her pouches and she's starting to chew on that. It's just regular beef jerky with a little bit of spice, you know. You'll make your way outside and realize... Content. Oh, yeah, you are in the middle of nowhere. It is dark. The rain is still pattering down. You can't... Well, you without dark vision can't see more than the hand distance in front of your face. But there's enough means of light around to cover for those who need it. 
Um, uh, I'll cast a light spell on my holy symbol on my stick. There you are. Yeah, Gaius reaches out and touches um, Lily's cloak, casting light on it to make the biggest person among us basically a big beacon. Yeah, and as you don't go, quite have a cloak, just a vest. But that's, just a vest. Yeah. Well, it's now glowing very brightly. A glowing vest. <laughs> And as you go crossing the small wooden bridge over the creek and heading south past uh, another large farmhouse, a couple smaller outbuildings, you head back toward the camp to find the uh, Virgo, to find the Vardo Master setting up the set up the wagons. The portable spikes are out. The guards are posted on top of the wagons with crossbows. Hail and announce! Oh, all right, see you. Back for your wagon then. The carriage, yes, I've been very fortunate to have these kind folks uh, volunteer to assist. Alright. Uh, Where's your oxen? I raise my hand. You get a squint. Alright, it's your spine. Let them in! And they pull back a few of the spikes. Uh, nobody poked around inside while we were gone, did they? Now, what have I said look. about just throwing accusations at people for absolutely no reason whatsoever? The yokels are like. I saw they no. The guards and didn't report know. anything, but we take no response. Janusz Caravans Incorporated takes no responsibility for lost or missing property that is left unattended. I will be counting each and every one of the scalpels I have in there, and if any you of them are that. missing, so help me gods. Uh-huh. You signed the contract, so you do whatever it is makes you happy. Good night now. All right, let's, uh, let's get this show on the road. You get to the uh, wagon. This way, at least. Thank you. All right. So, who's um, trying to pull it? Wagon? I'll, I'll grab the wagon and try and pull it. Anyone assisting? Amy will comically get behind it and, and start pushing as well. <laughs> Gaius will put his mage hands, just like pressing against, resting lazily against the All back right. of the wagon. Because every five we'll walk along count. with it. Bank every right. figure counts. <laughs> okay. Bank puts his shoulder to it. I push. Amy puts hers. Lily reaches down, seizes the yoke in massive metal hands, and hauls, and Lily may roll me an athletics check with advantage. That's a natural 20. No. Uh, and with after... five, 25 total. <laughs> so, after a few moments, and the silence of the camp around you is more important people to watch, you realize, you know, it's awkward just backing up here. So you turn around, just leave one hand on it as you drag it behind you with a single arm. <laughs> You're astonished at how light this thing is. I paid something like double for this thing. It has incredibly good suspension and wheels and bearings, and it is a freaky carriage. It rolls like it's on a rail. As you go, the Vardo Master shouts, Hey, metal, hey, metal lady, guy, whatever. If uh, you want work later, talk to me. We'll be in town for two more nights. I'll give another wave. 
spare with hand. your free hand that you don't need. <laughs> Alright. You return to the yard. Things are limited as you left them. And uh, once you get back inside, you see that Kendra is set up like uh, blankets on one of the couches. She's spread as a small bedroll next to the fireplace. And she finishes up and... Oh, good. Um, she looks over... Uh, Violetta, was it? And... Amy? Yes. There's a spare bedroom upstairs you can share. Okay, I'm good to curl up in a chair if you want. I, I mean, you don't have to really go through all that travel for me. Uh, this is this is the rolling in. I can provide rooms for everybody with beds if you like. Oh, sure. If you'd like to help yourself to some of the spare bedding, that that I can help you out. I I I it, it, we've got we've got enough for everybody here. All right. I could use a hand with people pitching the tents and unloading, but uh, it shouldn't take more than half an hour. And then half an hour after that, I could be serving dinner if people like. I don't sleep. Dinner, dear dinner, would, be, dinner would be lovely. I, I can cook too. So we'll sort something out between us. She looks and points at the uh, bags that you remember the Zolkarid sitting by your door. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Elkerid brought Mr. Elkerid brought groceries, the week's groceries. So you got plenty to work with. Don't trouble yourself uh, getting bedding out on my account. I don't need to sleep in the strict sense of the word. But if you don't mind, I would enjoy the opportunity to just sit and surround myself in your father's study when the time comes, if that won't be too much trouble. Of course. Well, if you want, if you, if you, if you have everything in, my, in hand and things are cooking, I suppose there's no time for it. And she pretty much goes to the trunk of books, pulls out the warded one, Puts it on the ground, starts doing up a little circle and chalk around it, and starting a ritual. Oh, you know how to unlock it? Of course. No, no, no. Ah, saves me some time. I was. I'm just identify. To... I'm just identifying the enchantment. Where's that? Ah, here it is. She pulls out a small pearl. There we go. Yeah. Oh, is that how it's done? I thought you had to use smaller pearls. Oh, this it, it's the quality over the quantity, really. This one cost a pretty penny. I usually don't use any pearls at all. Usually I make a small incision, poke around inside, and uh, but I suppose that would hardly work for this now, would it? For the identify spell? No, you, you absolutely require a pearl. She... Gaius does not have identified his spellbook for the record. <laughs> um, I, it, does, does Bank or um, Violetta or Lily, would they like a tent and a cot set up so that they can have a private place over the next month? And am I forgetting anyone? Uh, sure, I, I wouldn't mind a, a space to to sit and recharge. Okay, so those who wish 
we get out the tents. We're talking, you know, a very durable, almost like the Roman centurion tent with with a couple of campaign chairs and a a fold-out cot with bedding. Uh, he's going to lead, because you described Amy as being incredibly tiny, you can probably avail yourself of the living room, the bedroom, the bathroom and shower, um, because it's really only for very, very tiny people, because the floors are three feet apart. So, yeah, Amy's, um, Amy's about the size of a human eight-year-old, so... <laughs> Well, that has, I don't know whether you're talking a four, four footer or somebody who's about two foot eight. So it's up to you whether or not you fit in that spectrum. Um, if you do, you can avail yourself of the comfortable part of the, uh, of the carriage, which is not where, uh, Gaius sleeps. Gaius is sleeping in the, basically in the right. utility room. <laughs> So you've got a choice for sleeping arrangements then. Amy, are you sleeping, sleeping inside or outside? Stand in place and ponder the mysteries of the universe. Amy is probably going to take Kendra up on her offer and, and so just sort of bunk down on the couch because right. Kendra did go through all the trouble of pulling out linens and Amy feels it would be kind of rude if she were to uh, turn down such a generous offer that's already been made. All right. Is Abel sleeping in his wagon or inside the house? In the wagon, I assume? I don't think he'd ever leave. <laughs> yeah, probably inside the wagon. Alright, is Gaius sleeping inside the wagon or inside the Gaius house? will, when the time comes to meditate, he's just going to go to the professor's That's study. Right. Just surround himself in, you know, the magical right. memorabilia. How about Lily? Inside or outside? Uh, were we setting up a tent just now, sorry? So yes. basically, uh, yeah, basically, uh, Yo-Yo is unpacking his wagon and turning it into a camper van, basically. Oh, I see. Bring that as close to the house as you can, Yo-Yo. I want to make sure it's in the radius of the alarm before we go to bed. I would probably just try and stay where I would normally stay when I'm um, in the area. All right, which is usually standing in the professor's uh, living room, minding the fire. Yeah, sure. Okay. How about uh, Bank? Are you feeling inside the house or in the tent? Uh, is there any, like... Is there like, any sort of, like, visible, like, sinks or buckets sort of things, or...? The professor absolutely kept an old cauldron and let you use it whenever you liked. Yeah, Bank just points at the cauldron, just that fine. Alright, and that leaves Violetta. Cauldron. What are you um, feeling? She's not particularly picky about accommodation, so it's probably just going to be the, the tent. Alright. Been a while since you slept outdoors, so... Well, then... Nice change. Arrangements are made, and given the suspicious circumstances that the professor was found, I think it prudent that I... Gaius pulls out his spellbook, flips to a page, and recites the incantation for alarm, encasing as much of the house and its surrounds in the 20-foot cube as he can. Oh, you're, you're, you're a wizard too. Well, that's excellent. I'm oh, some renown! 
I'm a diviner. What's your specialty? Oh, uh, well, right now, I'm a bit in between specialties. You know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but... But there's a tradition where I'm from, passed down in my family. I don't suppose you would know of it. Have you ever heard of Blade Song? I'm afraid I haven't. No, I didn't think so. Uh, Is it bardic of some sort? Traditional like elven thing. It, we weave oh, our God. magic through music and dance and... It allows so... for quite potent effects. Ah, the bardic approach. In a manner, although I mm, I hate to have the stain of a, a the word bardic I on saw, my craft. I saw you surging to the front every time an opportunity to speak comes up. Yes, okay, I, I quite understand. This makes more sense now. His musical instrument is spoons. He just takes two spoons and inverts oh. them, and then he just makes a little clickety clackety sound. That's really and... colorful. I'll be put in the same league as those... I'll not be put in the same league as those obnoxious traveling minstrels who bed every woman they come across. Rest assured, no, this is true magic. I true, potent magic. With it's quite a bit of forethought and intentionality potent. behind it. Especially when he releases the potent power of the Morris dancing. Oh, hold that thought. She glances down, speaks a few words, Rastazuli, and examines the pearl. It flickers, and you can almost see the image dancing across her eye, flip changing. And she blinks and nods. All right. Well, it's a good thing you didn't try the arcane lock on it, because there's explosive runes tied just below it. Explosive Ooh, those are always runes. fun! Mommy likes playing with those, I think. Maybe it's somebody else in that castle that likes playing with those. Anyway, I found them a couple of times and it was lots of fun. Mind you, you'd have to get the hidden mind you, you'd have to get the lock open first, and I'm not sure where it is on there. One of his uh, old tomes in the university library that singed off one of my eyebrows when I flipped to the wrong page, but explosive runes I hazard a guess whatever's contained within that book is most dangerous indeed. Well, I've never heard of any of these tomes, but cross-referencing them in his study might provide an advantage. He's also gathered a fair amount of research materials. He has some of the, the town historical documents up there, too, now that I think about it. Well, then, that is how I shall busy myself tonight, if nobody else minds. I'm, I'm sure it's far from the biggest archive in town concerning local matters, but it could be helpful, maybe. Oh, one more thing. I do have the ability to cast an augury. It's... I believe it's a little expensive. Let me check my notes. Ah. Oh no, that's right. This one doesn't cost any anything. If you come to a conundrum, then one, seeing as you're assisting with this matter, seeing as I believe you mean to see my father's wishes through, and willing to do this for you, if you've got up to a conundrum, I can tell you whether a course of action will be for the good or for the bad, or mixed or nothing for results that aren't especially good or bad. 
But you only want to do that once a day, otherwise it starts to get mm, muddly. Yes, you know, you, you can't probe the you, you can't probe the veil too often. Yes. You understand, of course. She nods. Well Let us I treat suppose. that as a last resort or to clarify things rather than as a means of stabbing into the dark, shall we? If it's once a day, is it worth giving it a shot before we turn in for the night? I see no reason not to. Do you have something you wish auguried? Uh, not especially, but if if we want some indication of where where we might look first tomorrow, what we might do, All right. if anyone has well, a particular thought in mind. It's not exactly that. It's not that strong a divination. Basically, you ask about a specific course of action that you plan to take within the next 30 minutes. So um, it's like... In the next so, 30 for, minutes, I see. So, for example, if I were to say, well, I plan to march out of here and go straight up to Harrowstone, is that a good idea? Then I could get an answer on that. Why don't we ask that? <laughs> All right. She... All right. She walks over, pulls out a set of cards and starts laying them down and uh okay we if we go visit harrowstone tonight just go straight in the result is she lays down a death card then another death card then a third death card whoa that means bad no this that's three well, of a kind a... that's a very strong hand how many times do i have yeah. to explain this to you there's only supposed to be one death card in this. I think that's a good answer. Let's have dinner and go to bed, shall we? Dinner sounds good. I don't like death that much. At least not without mommy and daddy around. Now I must ask if anyone has any proclivities for late night wandering that you watch not to venture too far outside of the house. I've tried to encase as much of it and the grounds as I can within my alarm spell. But if you venture out more than 20 feet, you'll be on your own if some creepy crawlies or nasties come up at you in the night. What's cooking? It smells wonderful! What is cooking there? It's probably gonna be... Abel's version of Osobuco and probably some potatoes or gratin along with some um, steamed green veg. Now, just a heads up to everybody, we had a mishap earlier today where Yo-Yo thought the vinegar... thought thought... What he thought was vinegar was actually my formaldehyde, so if there's some odd tastes, now you know. But it shouldn't harm your body in the long run. It has been resolved, and I am going to make an undertaking not to leave any of my containers around where you can contaminate and adulterate them in the future. Abel, I will give Abel a choice. Yes, sir. Basically... You can basically take ten and make a solid, filling, decent meal, or you can try for a better one. 
Now, I don't know what the mechanism is for a roll. Alright, so basically, you took proficiency in cooking tools, right? I did. So and so brewing. This, putting this together would be an, an a, call it a wisdom check plus two for your proficiency. Oh, isn't so it a shame would... I'm a wizard? Or sorry, a, a priest? Okay, so that wizard would be in the kitchen, would... perhaps. Right. Well, I've got, so that's plus five. Um, yep. I, I will feeling? go ahead and roll because I've got something that I can I can blame uh, for when it goes <laughs> wrong. You do. So that's very... Yeah, go for it. See, give me a roll. See how we do. When in doubt, blame the elf. 19. You also got fresh groceries. There shouldn't be any mishaps. I label every jar in the correct arcane notation. Yes, yeah. but you do it with prestidigitation and the letters disappear after 30 minutes. Um, can I also serve some beer and cider? With a 19, you absolutely can. Because I'm also a brewer. <laughs> and as you eat, the, those of you who can, the lot of you notice that Kendra's relaxing as she tucks in. She's still got a haunted look around her face. There's still blotchy marks from where she spent a good amount crying. But she seems... Oh, it is now. She seems a little more settled. Alright. Thank you very much. This this has been good. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting this. It's only been me the last few weeks. Zolkar is friendly, of course. There's been a few of them has given me their condolences. The herbalist lady, she's been nothing nice, but always been a stranger here. It's good to have some friendly faces once. Well, I think it's time to retire. She says, rising. I bid you all a good night. So you bright and early. Gaius pushes his plate away, gives everyone a curt nod, and says, Well, if you need me, I'll be in the study. Don't sleep, so I may as well spend the night doing something productive, see if I can dig up anything in the professor's records. Awesome. Does anyone else have any other nightly activities? I'll go around. Amy, anything to do? But we're just tucking in. Um, she's just gonna... Well, one of the things she's probably gonna do is she's gonna climb the wall a little bit and take a close look at that displacer beast head because that is just really, really cool. Maybe touch it a couple of times. Yeah. And then she's <laughs> going to uh, um, go over to the couch, uh, um, yeah. make sure her uh, uh, her shield and her and her mace stick are uh, uh, nearby, so that way she can grab them. Then she just curls up and just goes still. Okay. I'm going to say that, yeah, Eliza's in the room and sees her literally climb up the wall to poke at the cat head. <laughs> and then search around the wall when she doesn't find it. Then pop. Oh, there it is. She's poking at nothing, but she seems satisfied. But no, she just pretty sure much... she doesn't fall or anything. She does... It doesn't look like she can. She's uh, sticking to the wall somehow, Spider-Man style. But you, you go over there and offer an arm, and she happily climbs back down across you and goes to sleep. All right, 
So DZ's got his thing. I I assume that you're doing the wet nightly wagon stuff before you turn in there, little doe. Sorry, what was that? I assume you're doing the general wagon maintenance stuff before you turn in for the night. Nothing else. Oh, that will be part of it. I just wanted to expand because we've got characters that aren't eating food. Uh, Yo-Yo is doing things like producing um, bowls of scent and things of various textures, temperatures, things to give them, if they don't eat, maybe they would enjoy some alternate right. sensory experience. Um, cool. And then he's, as you say, buttoning down the wagon and getting stuff ready for tomorrow's breakfast. Alright. And Eliza's standing guard on that, yeah? Yep. Okay. Is Violetta doing anything besides going to sleep? Uh, I think she's gonna have some of the food, and then also it's just kinda gonna go through her gear and other stuff um, before tucking in. Mm. How about bank? Is it cauldron time? Uh, once it's done eating, yeah. It, it, there's right. a, ver a very, like, practice, like, oh, this is how a person eats, like, instead of just, like, osmosising it. Just mashing yeah. the spoon into its face so that there's a... It's kind of weird seeing the flo food float around in there for a little while before it fragments and is gone. Mm. Then, yeah. Just get samples later. And yeah, yeah. Just, just like reverts into just a, a puddle of ooze into the cauldron. Alright. The night winds on. And uh, you, sir, can go ahead and make me your first research roll. Lovely. This can be... Well, what are you trying to research? Well, so I know the title of the sealed tome. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm doing is I just want to cross-reference that title and find any mentions of that place or name in either his other research materials or in the oh. archives that he has of the town records. Okay. I will let you go ahead and roll me an arcana, a history, or a religion. Hmm, okay, so plus five, or plus five, or plus three. Let's go with arcana, and that will be a thirteen. Thirteen. All you turn up in reference to bas to Bastard Hall are a few scribbled notes. Eastern Barstoy Varno question mark. Surely not Versex, or Lowell's would have been all been over it. No. The professor muses on one page. Need more information on Bastard Hall, but it's not going anywhere. 
He was trying to find it and coming up about as well as we are at the moment. Gaius and another question, question mark. Must be some phrase or way to unlock the book without destroying it. How? Stronger divination required. The rest of you tuck in. Now, who all... Yes. I would like... Everyone who is sleeping or in a rest state... To go ahead and roll me a wisdom save. And those of you who have resistance to charm or madness may do this at advantage. I believe one of you is a half-elf. One of you... And one of you is a mannequin, so that'll apply for you. And you are not sleeping there, uh, Mr. Elf. So you don't ah, need to roll well, at all. I do have to meditate for four hours, though, at some point. Yeah, but that's not sleeping. A wisdom save? Uh, yep. So basically, you so roll and add your wisdom modifier. And if you're proficient in wisdom saves, you get to add the proficiency bonus. What? I did roll a natural 20. With my advantage. Alright. If I was sleeping, my advantage on saving throws against being charmed would probably... I pulled the nat 1. Oh, no. I rolled a Uh, 2. We'll get to that. So, quick question. Yes? Uh, Is this something... Is it just anyone who sleeps, or does this affect specifically humanoids? Anything that sleeps. Okay. Hey! Uh, yo yo, welcome back. Roll me a wisdom save. Yeah. Uh, and we are counting whatever restful state I enter is sleep. I'm going to say yes because you've got a soul and a mind, so it's close enough to sleep. Makes You're still getting sense. advantage on it. So. Oh yeah. Elves get by by the skin of their teeth because sitting in a, on the floor for four hours and just thinking deeply doesn't count as sleep. All right. Mm-hmm. Bank, we'll start with you. What did you get? Uh, twenty-three. Bloody hell! I think I speak for all of us. Twenty-three. <laughs> Bank Your Your Strapped to a chair You try to ooze out of it And the straps tighten And constrict You try to shift out of it And they flow with you and you hear a low chuckle. <laughs> ah, well. Let's see. Oh, that's all. I'll have you done in no time. Farewell. And then, on the darkness that is the floor, the head floor in front of you, you see, you feel a wrenching 
And as something unseen rips into you and throws green fluid, sending it on the floor, splattering in all directions, as part of it reshapes into B, the letter B. You're shaking back and forth even more as it reaches into you, merely missing your nucleus. Unseen hands ripping out another glob of you, holding it in front of your eyes and throwing it to the floor again. And the letter A forms next to the B. And you know, you know that if this keeps going and if that reaches the end, something bad is going to happen. And that's when, with a supreme effort of will, you wake yourself up. It was a dream. Little toe. It's actually long toe. Long toe. I keep miss. I keep saying that. Really little though. So you'd have little toes. Well, long he's toe. a halfling, so they're pretty close to normal size. For That's you know, true. <laughs> yeah, I got a seventeen. Okay. L Getting an ordinary, pal. normal sort of roll. Long term. The rain pounds on the rag and roof, but no, it doesn't, as lightning flickers. Boom, boom, boom. And you're sitting in the chapel. You're sitting in the chapel, and rain is pounding on the chapel roof and the stained glass windows. That's pounding so hard that the glass windows are crumbling and breaking in. And you're watching Ferasma's face disappearing at the ground with a crash. Useless. It's all useless. It's all a sham. Something tinkles on the on the stone flagstones of the church, and you look over to see Father Grimborough ripping his fairly symbol off, casting it to the ground. It's all useless. It's all useless. It's all a fake. There are the gods don't matter. And he's walking around the church, stomping and ripping down symbols of Phrasma, breaking them. <laughs> it's all a hoax. We do nothing we provide nothing his face twists and turns as he reaches up and starts to rip it away rip it away like you would a mask we are hollow inside that's when you wake up Ooh. Gonna make some midnight waffles and get some hot cocoa going because there are gonna be some people stirring fairly shortly. That is an appropriate response to that, of course, I think we are in some events. Violetta, what did you get? Yes. Uh, it was a one. Uh, I have a plus one, my saving right. throw. So, now the and good then. News is I have you are half this. You get advantage against charm effects, which means you get to roll 2d20 and take the best of them. I should oh, have explained sweet. that. Sorry. So roll again and see how you do. And remember, you are lucky, so you can roll one more time if you don't like that. Mm -hmm. uh, 16 this time. Well, 17. Plus okay. Alright. File data. You're running. Why are you running? Why are you running? Where are you running? You're running down the hallway of something. 
of a large stone building empty. You're hearing the sounds of water dripping, but as you're going, boom, like there are doors, doors on either side, but as you get near them, flame bursts out of slits in them. Flame bursts out of gratings of flame clawing for you, and behind you, you can hear footsteps running. You turn around, and there is a figure. You can't see anything in the dim firelight save for the enormous grin on it, and the huge metal axe that it's whirling around its head as it's running and trying to catch you. And you go skidding, bouncing off walls, drifting, dodging fires. But this isn't the first time you've had to run from bad odds. And you out pace it until it fades and you wake to find your legs jerking just a dream just a dream Lily what did you get Oh, 20. Or oh, 25. No, 21 total. You try to move your legs and you can't. You try to move your arms and you can't. You try to turn your head and you can't. But your eyes shift and you see to the left of you on a dusty shelf filled with clutter. There's your, your torso. And over there are your legs on another set of shelves on a low workbench. Your arms. And all around you, with their heads sticking through the workbenches, are men and women, all sorts of races looking at you, silent, their mouths sewn shut. A few of them say. And then, from the darkness behind the benches, you see. A hammer. You see a hammer. A craftsman's hammer clutched in a small hand. And it rises above the first head and comes down. There's a crack and a crunch and screaming from all around. You use war hammers. You know what's going on here. The ruined skull slumps and there's blood and brains everywhere as the hammer moves to the next one. There's a crunk and a cratch and more muffled screaming and the, you realize it's coming your way. Well, this is suboptimal. You decide. So you reboot. And you wake up. Amy, what did you get? I rolled a two. <laughs> you ever had one of those uh, sleep paralysis dreams? Yes, those are mommy's favorites. You're in your bed in the castle, but you can't hear anyone except for this strange music. It's some nursery rhyme, something you've never heard. Sounds like somebody's blowing on pipes or a flute. 
and as they're blowing, you you start to hear and looking over past your glowing green skull nightlight, you see something flapping at the window. A bird or a bat, it's pounding itself against it. Go the pipes. The pounding gets louder. Another. There's more rattling. You think there's more than one thing on the other side. The window cracks. And things spill into the room, buzzing. All legs and wings and sharp, sharp needle-like beaks as they head straight for you, and you do not manage to wake yourself up. As they reach you, and you can't move, and they start to feed. Can she at least scream? Oh yeah, you can do that. But as you do, one of them goes straight into your mouth. I'll spare you the rest of the details. Thank you! But you do. Upon awaking, find yourself with a level of of exhaustion. And this is a good place. You wake the next morning. The dream's still vivid in your mind. To hear an ain't a hubbub outside. The sound of people rushing by. What is it? What are they found? Somebody so he's done something the monument. What? Who would I don't know, but it's bad. There's blood all over it. And that's where we're going to call it a night. And in the episode.